you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. Welcome back to the Renewal Session. I'm Katie Griffith here with my mom and host, Marianne. Go ahead, say hi, mom. Hi. Why do you have to hit me to get me to say hi? I'm just, literally right here with you. It was a physical and verbal cue. Is so what they call it. if you guys haven't listened to the show before, this is actually turning into a, um, a problematic situation here for Katie and I. Um, a couple of shows ago, you kicked me and now we're hitting me. No, I nudged. I nudged. <laughs> That's all it was. It was a prompt, like, okay, introduce yourself. Okay, because I didn't know it was my turn next. Anyway. Okay, okay. How was your day? Good, good. Excited to be here. You are? Yeah. All right. Well, so the last two episodes, we've been talking about limiting beliefs. Right. Right? And we kind of unpacked not only the normal common ones, but also examples of just in our relationship, the parenting you know, raising of a girl dynamic that yeah. went on between the two of us. Yeah. But really um, where we're going to take this next after limiting beliefs is really considering that limiting beliefs ha- come with emotional barriers, mm. right? That ways that we want to kind of mask ourselves up to protect ourselves relationally. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's a pretty good book out there. It's called Relational Masks by Russell Willingham um, that outlines what we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about the six relational masks that we can wear. Mm -hmm. So you have already read this along with me. Right. And you feel like you know what mask you wear. Right. Which you can tell us when we get there. Right. But I'm just curious. When you read it, did you figure out what mask I wear? Um, no, I wasn't paying attention to you. (laughs) I feel like this is a really interesting conversation that I've never, like, these are, this is a new concept to me. I've heard of people wearing masks and, like, putting on a facade for people and whatever, but I think this was interesting because it really does speak to the, like, way that people interact consistently with people it's not like oh around certain people i'm like this it's like these are things that when you identify as one of these six masks that we're going to talk about this is how you interact with people just in general so i thought it was really interesting um because i hadn't heard that before well and also i would add to that that these masks really do get get put on because we have some kind of core limiting belief yeah that leads in you know leads into these strongholds and so um the author of this book really says we're going to you know scripture will call it strongholds he's going to call it relational masks but really at the end of the day the masks are tied to a core belief. Right. Right. And those beliefs become so embedded in the person because of some kind of hurt yeah. or wound that they've emotionally experienced mm-hmm. that leads to this. Okay. So yeah. we're just going to jump right in and we're going to start 
talking about the very first one that he unpacks in the book called The Avoider. And yeah. underneath each relational mask, he has like a like a subtitled name. Like a little catchphrase. Right. Like, what's this one? Right? Yeah. Are you going to tell people? Oh, well, I didn't know if you wanted it. It's kind of a cool one. But so the, the avoider is the relational mask. But the little describer is the smoldering rebel. So, which is like funny to me because when I think of an avoidant person, I'm not like, ooh, they're smoldering. I know. What is that? that when I think smoldering, I think <gasps> of Flynn Rider from Tangled, how he always was like, oh, they didn't get my smolder right. Did, you don't watch Disney. Never mind. Okay, wait. But no, that's not true. Well, I mean, it is true that I watch that and that I don't, like, watch to the degree at which you do. Right. However, have you ever seen the Graham Norton episode with Dwayne The Rock Johnson oh, yeah. where he, he does the smoldering yeah. look? And he, didn't he say something like, they just pay me to smolder? Yeah. Like, that's my one face I have. And then they do it and it's got the dramatic like music behind it. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so intimidated by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's so cheesy. I, I think he him. was on that episode with Kevin Hart. It must have been they like They are so funny together. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. So the first relational mask is the avoider and it's we're not talking about the rock here. We're talking about the avoider. So. Right. So so in the book he lists out some traits, some what he calls assets and liabilities. But he also has these little boxes that say, uh, you might be this if. Oh. These are like, you know, those tests that are in magazines. Yeah. And stuff like oh, that. Oh, I'm a sucker for that. Yeah. Oh, like, I mean, too, back in the day. Yeah. I, I believed that if I circled the right answers in like my Teen Beat or Tiger Beat magazine. Yeah. That, that Jesse McCartney would be your boyfriend. Okay, a little older than you. <laughs> I'm just saying. I thought... It was it was this guy, well, Ralph Macchio. Do you know who Ralph Macchio? Like Mark Ruffalo? No, Katie. <laughs> That's who I thought of when you said it. I don't know who that guy is. How come you're going to say Mark Ruffalo? Everybody loves Mark Ruffalo. No. Uh, yes. I would have been very happy With to Mark get Ruffalo. Ru Mark Ruffalo, but I got Ralph Macchio. Oh. Okay. This reminds me, people, I swear we will get to this avoider conversation, but when you said that, it reminds oh, me yeah. of Papa... With the Passion of the Christ. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the pa in the Passion of the Christ. When right. she refers to Papa, that's my dad, her husband. Yes. Okay. okay. So one day we're sitting around, and he says, "Oh man, I just really loved Vin Diesel as Jesus in the Passion <laughs> of the Christ." <laughs> you said, "I said it's not Vin Diesel; it's Jim Caviezel." <laughs> he said, "Oh." <laughs> kind of sounds like, kind of like Ralph Macchio. And Mark, Mark Ruffalo. That's what I'm saying. He gets it from you. Yeah, or you get it from I him. I get it from him. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. We digress. Okay. Anyway. So we might be avoiders if. Yeah. You procrastinate a lot mm. or fail to finish things. Yep. Okay. You get along with everybody and never make waves. What matters to you most is peace and tranquility. The people in your life are always accusing you of avoiding things, and you avoid those people. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? And so every, I think every believe, um, avoider believes that he just can't help the way they are. Yeah. 
that they avoid the difficult issues of life, which makes things really hard. But they believe that dealing with those difficult issues is actually what's harder. Yeah. And this is an interesting thing because the author says that often avoiders, when they get old, mm. they have a lot of deep regrets. Yeah. Right? And I I've, see that. I've been with clients that have said, you know, I wish I had done it this way. I wish I had talked to my kids about yeah. this. Right. Um, so I think that's a I think that's a correct statement on his part. I also think that avoiders usually put on this mask early in life. Mm. Right? And it's usually in their family of origins that they've realized like I just don't deal with that. They yeah. they're kind of the um invisible kid. Yeah. If you will, I'm just going to hide out. I'm not going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you feel like you're an avoider? Um I don't. Okay, um, good. Good, good. And that's uh spoiler, that's not the one I picked for myself. Um but I think that's probably because um I'm more scared of what happens if I avoid something, if that makes sense. It does. So I think that that's probably why I wouldn't. I think there are definitely situations. Like I think all people avoid things. Right. But I think for me, I am more terrified of what happens if I left a certain stone unturned or like what what if, you know, I didn't do something and then it was worse in the end. Yeah. I think um, so we were talking to somebody not too long ago who I think would fall into this avoidance mm-hmm. category. And, you know, they said it's it's hard yeah. to want to deal with things. You know, right. you can get very complacent about addressing the harder things in life. Yeah. And sometimes you can ca- – some of the telltale signs of an avoider are things like them saying, I don't want to talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. That's in the past. Can we just leave it there? I can't yeah. deal with that. It'll take too long, right? Those kinds of things. But things that really just push the topic off. Right. So they so they don't have to deal it. The irony is, okay, and we'll get to this person shortly, but avoiders often attract aggressors, mm. right? Because the aggressor is pushing them to deal with things. Yeah. And the more that they they don't deal with things, it actually actually escalates the aggressor yeah right so we really want to be able to encourage an avoider to practice staying in the discussion Mm -hmm. because i think they get really good at fleeing yeah and just avoiding things and avoiding responsibility even at times and i think it's actually important though as we talk about this there are there are assets to this kind of mask so can you tell people what some of the assets of being an avoider is because that sounds a little bit like huh there could be pluses to this but I think if you think of it from the perspective of being an avoider I think that you know one of the personality traits that you have to have is you have to be a really patient person like you have to be able to like wait out the wave that you're trying to avoid. <laughs> That's that true. A hundred percent. You that know, makes you sense. have to wait out the wave, but also they're te- they tend to be pretty steady personalities. Like they mm-hmm. are settling forces in people's lives, which I think can be a good thing. 
But I think, you know, oftentimes when people are upset with avoiders, it's because they're avoiding something that's, like, needing to be addressed immediately. Right. You know, but, like, there are situations that do need to be avoided, you know? Absolutely. Or or things that just uh, truly are not that important. Yeah. But, um... But sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle because yeah. the person's so busy avoiding everything. Yeah. But at the heart of them, and like this they is... wouldn't probably be great politicians. <laughs> like they no. would be like, um, like oh, like Aaron Burr in um, Hamilton, where like he really just doesn't have an opinion. He just kind of wants to be included. Yeah. What's that little line from that song? Do you know? Um, if you stand for nothing, then what will you fall for? That's what Hamilton oh, who are says. You? Who are you? Who are you? What you gonna do? do? Bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> That's a different song. <laughs> totally different anyway, song. But I so, also think, you know, there goes for the healthy and the unhealthy ways of coping yeah. things. And what you're pointing out is that avoiders can be peacemakers, right? They can they can be that stabilizing force. They can they actually will let other people shine. Yeah. Because they don't want the spotlight. Right. They don't want um anybody to be staring at them too much and they're they're typically not very controversial people they kind of i actually think that papa would probably fall into this yeah he's really had to work oh yeah to not be avoided he's a reformed avoider that's right yeah he really is say that 100 percent because i think that he has um i think that the sense of being capable like i think that that's something that helps to combat the avoidancy what do you mean like when you feel capable or like knowledgeable in things then you have a more a larger sense of security to pursue things but I yes. think the, the avoider tends to not even pursue knowledge yes do you know what i'm saying yes in fact one of our things that we have really worked on in our relationship is built around the phrase that knowledge it's, is power well, knowledge is power, but also it's just information. Yeah. We're just gathering information yeah. because I think avoidant personality types are relational. Are really stifled. Mess. Are yeah. really stifled by the lack of information. Well, there's a lot of fear. Right. So right. When, there's a lot of fear of getting it wrong. Right. Getting it wrong. Yep. Okay. So the second one is tell the tell the name, the sub name, oh, because we are literally never going to be able to explain that. So somebody else can write in the Facebook group what they think this is about. <laughs> so the name of the next mask is the deflector and the describer is cardiophobic, which like that's how I identify. What is that even? Like scared of cardio. Oh my gosh, Caitlin. <laughs> like, that's how I identify. So maybe I am the deflector. I don't know. He doesn't, I, I, this book is interesting because it goes into great detail, but I don't see a definition for it. So somebody um, help us out. What does cardiophobic mean other than I'm scared to run? Which I also think that that could be a very valid definition. Uh, I'll you, add that to my Instagram bio. What? Cardiophobic? Cardiophobic. <laughs> That would be amazing. Okay. So you might be a deflector if life seems like one big joke joke to you, right? If you get nervous. Here I I am joking about it. You're deflecting your issues around weight, right? Yeah. Um, You get nervous anytime a conversation becomes serious. Mm -hmm. You feel like you need to like interject something. Lighten the mood. Exactly. Um, You talk a lot, but you don't say very much. Mm. Like there's no real content to what you're saying 
Um, each time when somebody will point out a flaw, you're a you point it back at them. Like yeah. you you say, oh, well, you do X Y Z, right? Um, your life is too busy and hectic to deal with issues, and you'll focus on everybody else. You'll be a caretaker, a fixer, just to keep the heat off of you. Gosh, maybe this. Maybe I should change my answer to the one I picked, because I'm funny. Well, like I feel like I'm... I don't think all funny people are deflectors. Okay, well that's a good distinction because I think we're pretty funny. Yeah. but I wouldn't necessarily say that we deflect. Well, yeah, and another liability of this mask is that they're real, rarely intimate with others, and I would say that we're in the, I mean, we're in the mental health field, so I feel like that's not necessarily the case. But yeah, it sounded like me for a second there. Well, it reminds me of, and we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, that comedians are like this a lot and it's funny because today I, I didn't tell you this when we were talking about it but there is i think it's on netflix it's called jim and andy oh i've seen that okay so I've it's an interview it, with jim carrey mm-hmm. about him playing the role of andy kaufman in a movie mm. right but jim carrey's a good example of a deflector because he has openly admitted that he struggles with mental illness and health issues and that comedy is a way for him to negate some of the pain that he feels. Right. He also has been open about saying that he's aware of past pains in his life and by deflecting, he doesn't have to deal with yeah. those pains. But now, like and this is true of deflecting anything, is eventually it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. And so that I think that's why he came forward to say, hey, I have these issues. Because the other thing he did say is there's a lot of comics that have this issue. Yeah. And now they struggle with addictions or some of them have gone on and, you know, passed yeah. because of things like uh, I think you mentioned earlier. Like Chris Farley, Chris Robin Far- Williams. I mean – and that's not just to say that this is the comedian's mask or whatever, but I do think... Or that all deflectors are masking mental health issues. Like, right. that's not what we're saying. But yeah. I'm saying that comic, that Jim Carrey in particular has spoken about that deflection is is one of the arts that they learn as comedians. Yeah, because it, it provides a wall to hide behind and... and almost kind of filters intimacy because people can't get past the joke right you know or the or the snarky comment or or the redirection of conversation i think that's another main tactic that they use also is this this idea of redirecting like you mentioned where they're going to point the finger back at somebody else exactly Uh, you know like somebody says oh how's your relationship going and you just had a breakup and you don't want to tell about it, you might be like, oh, well, yeah, how, how's yours going? And not even mention it, you know, deflect the conversation back onto the person. Yeah, I was I was watching something the other day where they actually really encouraged that as a strategy for building connection with people. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, deflectors and avoiders have a lot in common in that they both are avoiding their true feelings. They're mm. both wanting to avoid conflict and they both kind of skirt around yeah. reality. I think the difference is is the deflectors have large personalities. Yeah. And they have no problem 
being that way with everyone, whereas I, avoiders tend to be more reserved. Yeah. Um, I think avoiders tend to be more isolated mm-hmm. in their lives, and d- deflectors tend to be go-getters, right? Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because it's almost like this strategy of deflection would make it very difficult to switch to setting boundaries instead of deflection. A hundred percent. You know, because like if you're so used to just avoiding the conversation or, you know, deflecting whatever comment was made, it would be a stark difference to say, actually, you know what? I'm really not comfortable having that conversation. That can be a pretty jarring switch. Right. Well, and sometimes what deflectors will do is they will switch from fun loving to anger in a second. Right. Because you are not allowing them to relate to you with the mask on. Right. Right. Which is why sometimes therapy can be difficult or having intimate conversations with people that, you know, are trying to produce a certain result can be really challenging. Yeah. And I think one of the core beliefs or those limiting beliefs that we were talking about in the last couple episodes Mm. is for a deflector is almost this idea of honesty will lead to abandonment. Yeah. Right. Like if I really show you who I am, you're not going to like it. Right. So I'll be this personality that you will like. And then nobody knows the real you. Exactly. Yeah. Which exactly. Is, which is really challenging. But I, I really want to emphasize that not all funny people are deflectors. Right. Some people are just funny. Yeah. Like us. I, th- I like to think so. I like to think so as well. Yeah. Okay. So the next one is called the self-blamer. The undercurrent of this one yeah, is the worshiper of darkness. What the heck? That sounds so serious. Oh, my gosh. Okay, but I think what this means is it's a hiding. I don't think the darkness is, like, evil. This is so dramatic. It is so dramatic. So I don't, I don't really know how I feel about the these. The worshiper of darkness. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Lord of the Rings or something. You're so weird right now. I know. Sorry. Okay, okay. but basically the idea is I'm never going to have this happen to me again. Yeah. Right? So I think that's where they do the hiding mm-hmm. piece. But self-blamers um, typically, and this is a hard thing, is they typically have experienced some abuse in their mm. lives and they've had somebody in their lives tell them it's all their fault. Yeah. Like this wouldn't be an issue if you had just behaved. Right. Right. Which that one comes so easily to mind for me because that actually was a statement that I heard right. growing up. And when your father and I got together, he was the avoider. Mm. And I had been raised by an aggressor. Right. Right. And I became a self-blamer. Hmm. Right. So anytime we would get in an argument, there was always a right person and a wrong person. Yeah. And I always felt like I was the one that was in the wrong. Hmm. But I was fighting. I wanted to be heard and I was fighting to get the blame off of myself. Right. Right. Like it, it was to prove that you were doing good things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because I think when you've grown up in some type of abusive situation, it's always going to come back to no matter where we are, like that situation went wrong. It's my fault. If I had done X, Y, Z, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It's almost like you're the you're the hinge that causes chaos. Yes. And so you can't move in either direction. 
Exactly. Because you're wrong either way. Exactly. And there's there's a foundation of pride in there, which yeah. is time, you know, another another topic, another episode. But there is a pride in there of saying it's all it's all because of me. Right. Right. Which sounds a little twisted when you think it's it's all because of me and it's my fault. Yeah. But it's very it's a self-focus. That's why it's called the self-blamer. Yeah. But so you might be a self-blamer if you think constantly about your failures, your stupidity or your sinfulness, your mistakes. Mm -hmm. You always seem to mess things up. You see yourself as like fundamentally flawed and you believe that the people around you are mad mad at you disappointed or holding some kind of form of judgment yeah around you and the really stinky part about a self-blamer is they typically will build relationships with people that are harsh and judging people Oh, right. Yeah. So, so you're getting that that message over and over again. Of yeah, like, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so they've heard condemnation, demeaning voices for so long that actually now it's become their own. They've internalized that condemnation, that dialogue, and, and they're yeah. doing it for themselves. So it's kind of like a poor me syndrome, right? That can show up. Um, so self-blamers are tend to be terrified of saying, no, it's not me. It's you. Yeah, that would right? be really hard. It's the, the switcheroo, so to speak. But what what do you think are some of the assets of a self-blamer, if you will? Like, what are healthy qualities that happen with a person that might be wearing this mask? Because I do think it's important that we, like, just reiterate that just because we may be wearing these masks – the masks are actually holding back really positive qualities as totally. much as they may be, um, you know, we may be struggling to be fully seen. Mm -hmm. If we can redeem ourselves, if we can work through the wounds and the past hurts or the fears that we might have, there are really good qualities underneath yeah. of these. So what is, give me some examples of good qualities for self-blamers. Well, I think that it sounds like for a self-blamer, it would be really um, easy to see the good in other people and to see, like, character traits mm -hmm. that are really strong in other people because they're so focused on themselves that when they look at other people, they might have a hard time seeing negative qualities in the other person. I also think that it sounds like there's a great there's a lot of room for compassion for hurting people. Like, they would be able to relate really well with people who are struggling Yes. That makes sense. I think that, you know, you've, you've opened up about how this might be something that you identify and identify with. And I think because of that, it actually makes it easier for you to interact with people who have had similar pasts um, and people who also struggle with this, of feeling like their voice matters and feeling like they're able to identify, no, I'm actually not in the wrong here. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I, I think it, it cultivates compassion yeah. and mercy for other people, right? Well, I also think it, it is um, a motivator to make sure that everything is correct that's happening. Like, make sure that everything... I think it brings a heightened awareness to your own, um, like, motivations and intentions in life. It makes you kind of analyze yourself 
which means that you're usually a pretty responsible person, I would think. You're not going to intentionally go out and be bad because you already blame yourself for enough. Right. Well, and I think, you know, to circle back to sometimes we, you know, self-blamers believe it's all their fault. But that's sometimes that's a result of being gaslighted. Yeah. Right. Which that's a whole other episode. And so I think what happens is self-blamers, as they're going through the reformation process, if you will, what they're trying to figure out is like, what is a boundary? Yeah. Um. What is I'm not crazy? Yeah. And and then it becomes really important to to kind of dissect the situation, if you will. Like a lot of times in in counseling, I will simply just sit with somebody and say, just tell me the whole story mm. from your point of view. Mm-hmm. Now tell me the whole story from the other person's point of view. Where do you think the middle of that is? Mm. Because they don't really want to shift all the blame to the other person. They just want balance yeah. in it. And so during that process of like, okay, this is not good for me. Not everything is my fault. I I don't I'm not crazy. They begin to unpack it and they start to disperse yeah. wrong and right equally right. to things. So yeah. okay. So, the next one, are we going to save it for the next episode? I think we're going to leave them hanging. you got to come back next week. Okay, because there's three more and they're juicy. I know. I just feel like we need to leave them hanging. They need to process the first three. That was a lot of information. Really? You think so? I think so. I think that that, you know, I would would be slow to diagnose yourself because we still have three more. (laughs) <laughs> so don't over-identify with the first three. Information is just power, like we talked about. It's just information. But I will say that I think that these offer – it's kind of like, you know, I don't really know if I put much weight in those personality tests, but I do think I agree with putting weight into this because I think it gives us a lens to look at how do I interact with people and is that really how I want to continue interacting with people? Yeah, it puts you in the power place, right? Yeah. Where you get to be the decision maker about understanding why you wear the mask to begin with, right? what you need to be working through in your life so that you can get to that healthier place where all of those qualities um, be, that are assets mm-hmm. are shining through and you're not being held back by some of the maybe unhealthy ways in which this mask serves you and so and and just to reiterate because we will hit the next three the next time Mm -hmm. i have two two things i want to say one is that what is what is the overall process here okay the overall process for you and i as we think about content for future episodes is we want to take you to the limiting belief Right. So we did that. Yeah. Now we're going to say, okay, because we have these limiting beliefs, we put on these, you know, relational masks Mm -hmm. and they can look like this. Right. And we'll unpack in the next episode, the last three. But then we're going to talk about like, okay, so if we're going to really begin to change how we do relationship, we need to also then identify what are the wounds? Yeah. Right? What are the lies and the vows that we have put in place that have created these strongholds and these emotional barriers? Mm-hmm. And so we we know where safe 
and unsafe lives. Right. Because I think some of the problem is was when you start to get into all these these things, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is a person's like, yeah, I really want to change. I really want to heal. I really want to do. And then they go out and they're overly vulnerable with people. Right. And they don't, they still haven't established what's safe and what's unsafe, where's the boundary. They haven't really looked at the relationships and how they want to redefine themselves. Yeah. So we're giving a lot of information. We're teaching a lot of things. And we're going to share a ton of personal stories in the process of this. Right. But I want I want to make sure that people don't feel like, oh, we're just leaving you hanging. Like, great. So you told me how all the ways in which I'm screwed up. Good luck. Now we're going to move on to some other subject. Right. Yeah, that's we're not, not gonna, what we're, we're going to do. We're not going to leave you hanging like that, but we are going to leave you hanging with what the next three are. Okay. So I'm so going to give you a remember I said one. Yeah, I'm going to give you a quick sneak I, I, That was my one thing, though. Hold up. Oh, what's your second thing? What, did we list yours? No. Oh, we didn't. We did not. Oh, this so is going to get good. Here's the three that we are talking about next episode, just so you can get the little titles. I'm not going to give you the little side caption, though, because those are juicy, and we'll save those because those are funny. But we're going to be talking about the savior, the aggressor, and the spiritualizer. Oof. So come All on right. back next week. All right, guys. You have a great week. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Renewal Session Podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday, and I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then, live your best life.